Welcome to the She is Fierce show. Today we are talking to an incredible mother-daughter duo, Kara and Hope Brookins. If you have been watching the news or scrolling through Facebook recently, you've probably seen their story covered by media outlets all over the world. The story of their family went viral, and they've appeared in over 1,000 media outlets in more than 65 countries around the world, including the Today Show, People, In Touch Weekly, ABC, and CNN. Kara Brookins is the author of Rise, How a House Built a Family, a memoir about escaping domestic violence with her four children and building a 3,500-square-foot home from the ground up with their own hands. And Hope Brookins is a go-to personal branding and publicity strategist who helps people turn themselves and their ideas into brands. And here is the best part. Hope is one of the amazing women and men who make things happen behind the scenes at She is Fierce. And here is the reason I just can't get enough of this duo. They have one big mission, and that is to inspire people to do their own big thing. So Kara and Hope, welcome. I am so excited to have you on with us. It's great to be here. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Hope and all of the stuff that she's been doing with us. But Kara, I want to ask you first, can you share, like you do at the beginning of your story in your book, the very personal journey that you took to get out of two very different dysfunctional relationships and, you know, how you grew that strength to help your kids and yourself break out of that cycle of abuse? Sure. It has been a crazy long journey, and I never would have imagined then that I'd be here now. You know, I was a a very small and weak person. I considered myself extremely shy and never imagined that I would do anything outside of, you know, just taking care of my kids and doing a very small career. It was it was a very limited scope that I had because I had been beaten down in the abusive relationship for so long. But there came a point when I started to feel a sense of urgency Uh, particularly with my kids. You know, my kids were teenagers, 17 and 15, and then my youngest two were 11 and 2. And I started to feel like I had to do something big or my kids would always live that small. Mm -hmm. So they they were what gave me the courage to make that big step. And Hope, you were 17 at the time that your mom decided that this is it, you're going to move out of the house. What's your memory of that time? My memory is feeling completely out of control before we made that decision is feeling like I just wanted to do something to help my mom to make a change and not being able to. So when we finally made the decision to move out and build our own house, I finally started to feel that control again. Taking that action, you know, it was like giving my kids an action that they could take to gain some control over their life. Mm -hmm. What was the moment that you realized that, you know, you had had all this love for for a man, you were there with your kids. I know you share in your book about how part of the reason that you stayed is that you felt that it was so important to have a father figure, right? And then you obviously made this choice that ultimately turned out to be a wonderful one to get out of that situation and give your children a different opportunity. What was the moment that you realized that, you know, all that love and all that emotion and attachment was gone and it was just time now to get out? Yeah, I think that the the exact moment was actually after one of the times that he had, you know, my my husband at the time had his hands around my throat choking me. 
Um, and, you know, this was something that wasn't the first time that it had happened. And there were other things that he did that were terrifying. And it was just this idea of, you know, all of my fear is that if I leave, this was my last shot to have a family with a mom and a dad, the way that I had always imagined a family. And then all of a sudden at that moment, I thought, you know, that is not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly staying alive and having a family that's just me and my kids is superior to that. So, you know, it just, it was, it was, I don't know what culmination of events brought me to that point because like I said, it was the first time it happened, but it was this realization that I think, like I said, came about because of the age of the kids and knowing like they're going to go out into the world, feeling this way, feeling this small, this afraid, this out of control of their own lives. And that something has to change and it sort of culminated all into that. Now we take action and it has to be big action. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, for me, reading your book, obviously I feel so lucky because I already knew Hope before even sort of you guys took <laughs> off and exploded all over the world. But, um, you know, I feel like it's such a tough story, right? Everything that you experience is so yeah. tough. And yet you have this incredible sort of light around what you're doing and this really optimistic um, way of taking on the world. And it really turns into this really positive message out of something that is so tough. Um, how did you do that? How did you turn something that was such a, a struggle and such a weighing you guys down? Well, I think it's important to know, especially for people who are still in the midst of that, who are still in those darker days, that it doesn't necessarily feel that light at the time. You know, in retrospect, we can find all of these positive things when once we get to the other side. But certainly in the middle of building the house, there were so many days that still felt very dark and uncertain. But I do have this extreme optimistic attitude. And while I think part of that is sort of inborn, you know, people tend to be born a bit more optimistic or pessimistic. We can also manufacture a great deal of that, and it changes everything. I mean, we hear this all the time. Attitude changes everything. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. So it was just this absolute certainty that, you know, my kids and I had been knocked down far enough, and this time, no matter what, we were sticking on this positive course And I was going to use this stubborn determination that had kept me in some really bad situations. I was going to use that same determination to keep me shooting for this big, positive goal. And I did stay really optimistic. Well, you, you know, you got out, you took all four of your kids with you, and then you kind of realized, hey, um, how am I going to support myself? How are we going to have a lifestyle that you felt was the right lifestyle for your kids? And you really, I think, were in a place, well, as I read it, were in a place where you wanted to create something positive and didn't really know where to look. But then suddenly you came across this idea, um, a spark of an idea, right, out of nowhere to build your own house. And you you never let that go, Kara. And you got all your kids on board. How did you convince your kids and how did you motivate your family? I'm just thinking, you know, I have a two-year-old, right? The whole time I was reading it, I was thinking, how on earth (laughs) with a two-year-old did you make this happen? Here's what I always say about the situation. I always say that when you're a teenager, you trust your mom. Mm -hmm. You trust that she's not going... I mean, you don't trust her 100% as a teenager, but especially when she has some crazy big idea that's as big as this, you think that what she's telling you is right. You 
you know, you know, you think she's wrong sometimes, but overall, you don't think she's going to have an idea that could be dangerous or that is ridiculous or that isn't really possible. So I think we all went into the mindset of that going into it. It's like, well, of course she knows what she's doing. She's our mom. <laughs> Optimism. It's, it's contagious, right? You know, when you have that kind of an attitude and an optimistic attitude, when you show determination and certainty, it is contagious. Okay, so... I understand that that's contagious, but I want to just address the fact that I know Hope, and before I had read this book, and before I had sort of heard this story, I um, only knew Hope as this super ultra girly girl who I would never imagine in a million years with uh, a hammer and nails building a house. So when I ask you, how did you motivate them? I mean, how did you keep their inspiration, but also how did you get Hope to get out there in the dirt and grow something? How did I get? I'm serious. How did you get her to do it? The ultimate question. (laughs) Well, and and this is something I lived in fear of from from the very first moment. You know, I brought it up to the kids. You know, hey, I have this idea. You know, instead of buying this little house and all piling into it on bunk beds, we could build a much bigger house because we only have to buy the supplies, not pay for the labor. So, you know, I presented it in that way, and right from the start, they were all in. They were completely ready. They thought, no problem. You know, we can build this house. So from that moment forward, I lived in fear of them rebelling because just like you, I know that if a teenager doesn't want to pick up their socks, you cannot make them, right? So mm-hmm. I, I worried, like, what do I do the day they just say, no, I'm not going back out there? But they never did. They never just said, no, I'm done. We're not doing this. This is stupid. We're not going. And I, I think that you have to realize how low you have to be in life, how far down your situation has to take you to that rock bottom place before you can get even teenagers into the mindset of I will do anything and I mean anything and stick with it if that action will build a better life because our life has been so low, so bad for so long. Yes, I will build a house. Yes, even hope will get out and help me <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> and I think there's a certain level of desperation almost that comes with it that before you're willing to do something that outside of your comfort zone, that crazy, that you have to be a little bit desperate about making a change. Yeah. So when we come back, I want to talk more about how your family and your house rose from nothing, right? So um, you're, I'm Kelly Youngs, and you are listening to the She is Fierce radio show. And we are talking with Kara and Hope Brookins. Kara is the author of Rise, How a House Built a Family. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you are listening to the She is Fierce radio show. We are talking with Kara and Hope Brookins. Kara is the author of Rise, How a House Built a Family, and Hope is her oldest child, a branding and publicity powerhouse in her own right, and a behind-the-scenes guru for She is Fierce. So, ladies, we were just talking about how your family, you know, I would say you're, you're kind of saying you hit rock bottom and you were trying to find a way to build your way up, right? That's right. So let's talk about your mantra and the title of your book, Rise. You know, your new home rose from nothing, but you and your family really rose as well. What does that title and putting that title on a book with your name and publishing it and putting it into the world mean to you? Well, when we finished the house, one of the very first things that I realized was I expected to feel extremely connected to the house in that obviously I have to live in this house the rest of my life. You know, it's this very big, important thing we've done. And I didn't feel that way. 
um, in the end, it was just a house. It wasn't the important thing we had done at all. Um, it was about the family. It was about how we had rebuilt ourselves. And so when I finally, and it was much later um, that I decided to write the book, you know, that, that had to be the central theme of the book, that the house, yes, that happened, and that was the action we took. But the more important thing that that house did was build our family. So that's how that sort of sort of sideways title came along because it's certainly exactly how it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's just the perfect name for everything about what you guys have done, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually actually um, sold the book. It you know, went to auction and sold with just the title Rise, and I kept looking for that subtitle. And it wasn't until after we'd signed all the contracts and gotten started on editing that the How a House Built a Family came to me, and I was so excited that the publisher loved it and kept it. I, yeah. I was nervous about it when I first had it because it, it felt so perfect to me. Oh, it is, and it's the perfect description of everything that you kind of encapsulate in your story. Now, Kara, I want to ask you, because we talked about, you know, coming out of this experience of domestic violence, and, you know, you are pretty impressive in your own right. You are the author of seven novels in addition to Rise. Um, You also had a day job as a programmer. You, um, you know, were able to support your family financially. Your kids were in school when you decided it was time to build your home. You know, what do you think gave you the confidence to build or to believe that not only could you hold down a day job, but also um, pull your kids out of school at the end of the day and, you know, go right out into the woods in the middle of Arkansas and start building something when none of you had any experience at all. What was that little thing in the back of your mind that made you say, not only is this a big project and ambitious in theory, but also in practice, I can make this happen? Well, obviously, I've always taken on a lot. I've always had a really full schedule. I'm not afraid to stay really busy, and I've never been afraid to work really hard towards something I want. In order to write, you know, an entire book, one after the other, you have to have a sense of all of those things. But also, you know, there's there's also a little bit to be said here for the case that ignorance takes the place of courage. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what we were getting into. Mm -hmm. You know, once we were there, obviously, we stuck in and, and kept going. But when we first had the idea to build a house, right up to the time that we already you know, had a loan and bought all the supplies, we were not thinking of the true complexity of what we were doing. We were looking at it one step at a time. And we spent a lot of time in the early stages, like thinking of the paint color and the curtains and mm-hmm. the finished product. We did not imagine two months of slogging through the mud carrying concrete blocks. And it was a real wake-up call. But by that time, you know, once I start a thing and and stay that determined, there's no way I'm quitting. Um, And we did do this thing that I I tend to do with a lot of my projects, and that's to sabotage your plan B. You Mm -hmm. know, sabotage your way out. Give yourself no alternative. Here is my goal, and by God, I'm going to get there no matter what I have to do. So we spent all of our money on supplies. There wasn't any way that we, you know, could hire whole teams of people to come in and just fix it all for us. If we wanted a place to live, um, we didn't want to default on our loan. We had to find a way to put all these pieces together into a house. So, um, first of all, wow. (laughs) And second of (laughs) all, you know, I love, you just talked about your bank loan. I love this small story that you share in the book about when you went into the bank to get your construction loan and you walked in with all the paperwork you needed and you had everything together. And you also walked in with a story that I'm a woman 
here by myself to tell you how I have four kids. One's a toddler. Um, and I'm looking for some money so I can build a house with my three <laughs> children. I mean, to me, that just sounds crazy, right? Like the person it's at the bank. Of, it explains this is the why there's a housing crisis. Because <laughs> in 2008, this, this same person is why that happened. <laughs> Honestly, I... I you know, just imagining the person's face, and, I, and you even describe it, the, the man that you were talking to at the bank and his sort of incredulous look when you were describing it. And yet, as he first kind of turned you away, you know, you share that, you know, you got up the guts to go into the bank. You asked for something that sounds so crazy and ambitious. And and then you share the story and you're casually brushed aside. And then you decided that you're going to push back. You got pretty assertive. And suddenly you were kind of hearing this voice in your head that said, you know, who is this? You've gone right. from this like weak state to suddenly being somebody who's kind of being pushy with the bank manager telling him to give you money. Where do you think that came it, from? It was the first sense in all of in all of this, perhaps in all of my life, of me finding some sense of power, of me claiming that. And of course, it felt so much like, oh, my gosh, this is all fake on the outside. But it was the first sense of it building inside of me that I had some control, I had some power, and I had some assertiveness, and I was going to stand up and push for what I wanted. And I think that what allowed me to do that, or rather I know that what allowed me to do that, is that I had set this huge goal, and I hadn't just set it in my head, this goal of building the house. I had set it out loud to my kids, and that gave me this level of accountability I was not going to let them down. And that's another just really important thing in goal setting is to, is to do that to your kids, to your coworkers, to whoever. You know, say out loud, here's this enormous thing I'm trying to do. Because then after the first bank turned me down and after the second bank turned me down and I wanted to tuck tail and give up and say, obviously, you guys are right and I'm wrong. I can't do this. I had these people that were holding me accountable that knew that this was the thing I said we could do and I didn't want to retreat. So it was for them and for me that I was then able to say, you know what, I'm going to give this everything I've got and I am not taking no. They will give me this money. And it worked. All of that together worked. It gave me the courage and it's, it's worked with a thousand goals since then. Yeah. I mean, I love that it's it's not only your own tenacity, right, but it's also the power of being a mom <laughs> and the power of that right? that gives you having the responsibility to those kids. And it, it helped. It sounds like it really helped you grow internally your own courage and, and as a person as well. And not just a mom, but a member of a team. You know, mm-hmm. it's applicable to any team where you're working together like that. And, you know, you're working for one another, not just for yourself. It gives you that extra edge. Yeah. And, you know, so talking about a team, you share a little bit about like that team team building experience and that that physical experience of going out and actually having to build something with your hands and your back and your legs and and getting kind of engaged mm-hmm. in that physical experience and how, you know, working through that, how that kind of helped to exercise some of those demons and also how you saw that experience I think changing your children and helping them grow in their confidence as well. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because I was fascinated by that. Yeah, sure. When we started, of course, we were physically very, very weak. You know, I was a 110-pound computer programmer. My kids were little. You know, they were, they were like you said, Hope was very girly. So it was a bit <laughs> girly. 
And, you know, even my oldest son was 15 and my other son was two, you know, so we didn't have a lot of muscle on the job site. And my 15-year-old son was you know, a bit of a computer geek, not, not the athletic sort. So we were all small and weak physically. And then we had that emotional, mental weakness of being beat down. So, you know, little by little, of course, we started carrying block around and bags of concrete and buckets of water and working out in the freezing cold. We built this physical strength. And also built this emotional strength, this, this first signs of courage that, hey, we can physically do something to change our lives. We can physically build something this big, even something that's bigger than us, you know. And then together as a team, it went from this, this early stage of where the kids and I didn't talk to one another well. You know, when you're in a traumatic situation like that, you tend to pull inside of yourself and, you know, you're, you're very stuck in your own life and your own thoughts and just trying to get through that day. So there's not a lot of communication between family members when you're, when you're in a domestic violence situation. So little by little, when you are forced to work 19-hour days on a job site side by side, you learn how to communicate. You know? Yeah, and, you know, um, I know now just through Knowing Hope, I know you guys are such a tight-knit family, and you've obviously kept that going for years since then. Yeah, yeah. It's been a huge transformation. And like any family, there are still the squabbles and, you know, all the craziness that goes on. But it's always this this ability to talk with one another and be very real with one another in a way that not many families can. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you are listening to the She is Fierce show. We are talking with Kara and Hope Brookins, and we will be back soon. Welcome back to the She is Fierce show. I'm Kelly Youngs, and we are so lucky today to be talking to Kara and Hope Brookins. Kara is the author of Rise, How a House Built a Family, and Hope is both her oldest daughter and an integral part of the Rise story, as well as a personal branding and publicity strategist and a special part of the She is Fierce team. So, Kara, I love how your book explores not only the practical journey and the physical journey, as we were just talking about, and the challenges that your family went through, but also the character traits and the thought processes that helped and hurt you as well along the way. Now, I know you talk a lot about this feeling of powerlessness, how, you know, you'd learned to accept powerlessness as a kid. You ultimately brought that into adulthood. And, you know, as an outsider reading the book, I kept thinking about how strong you seem, right? You seem so accomplished. You're an author, you're a programmer, You just didn't fit this traditional view of a woman who lives with domestic violence, at least in my, you know, maybe (laughs) admittedly ignorant mind. But of course, you know, you're not only the impressive, educated, accomplished woman, or you're not the only one who's dealt with those struggles. Why do you think that you accepted that powerlessness, even as a woman who, from the outside, seems so capable on her own? Yeah, and that's such a complex issue, and you see it constantly to domestic violence victims. There's this perception that it's it's very weak people, you know, that it's it's people who don't have any other options, who don't have a great job, who don't have anything, and and often it is. But there are also some very powerful people, you know. There are celebrities who have every opportunity in the world to leave, but they stay. And what I found shocking when I started visiting domestic violence shelters and working with other women is that was the most surprising thing, how strong and stubborn and determined these women are. And that is one personality trait that can work against women. 
if they aim it in the wrong direction. And that's certainly what I had done is I was so stubborn and determined to make this thing work. You know, I had this vision of a family, a way that I wanted to see it, and I was going to tolerate, I was going to, you know, stay to absolutely anything to keep that vision going. That was part of the way that the stubborn determination manifested in a relationship. So, you know, there's a negative aspect, of course, to any personality trait, but I was able to use those same traits to work hard enough to finish a novel, to work hard enough to finish a house you know, to work hard enough to, to continue doing lots of big career things. So, you know, it's it's ultimately the same, I have the same personality traits now that I did then. I just learned to aim them toward more positive things. Yeah, you know, I, I you, you've expressed it so clearly, but I feel like throughout the book, um, that, that really comes to life. It's the fact that we as individuals and you in this story have these kind of like underlying characteristics that kind of define who we are. And it's all about how we approach life with those characteristics, but making sure that we're, we're finding the most positive outlet for them. Right. 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 And, you know, I thought I've watched hope go through the same sort of, you know, transformation of seeing her personality traits, you know, as a mom and you watch your kid as they go through high school and all of these things that hope is doing in her life for her developing her own personal style and doing parties and events and all of these things that were sort of centered around her that as she grew into adulthood she took those same traits and started pointing them out towards other people that now that she does this branding so I look at that as you know like a small scale thing of of what happened in my life that has now happened in her life so it's been a fascinating thing to observe um, because I think we're less likely to see it in ourselves so you know for her to take this uh, this love of doing parties and this love of, of dressing herself in a fashion in a certain way and then learn a way to use that to help other people. You know, it's the same thing that I, I did with my writing. It's the same thing on a, in a different direction. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, um, I know you guys both know about She is Fierce, so I feel like a huge part of our message is so similar to your underlying theory, which is, to help people, to give them the tools and to give them the inspiration to actually just take a big leap, whatever that means, right? If it's getting out of a bad situation mm-hmm. or if it's getting yourself to the next level in whatever position you're in. Um, and I know, yeah. you know, you t- you talk a lot about optimism and how it brought you deeper into this kind of dangerous space in a strange way. And also you really felt like that you use that optimism almost thinking I can make this negative situation better. But then ultimately that optimism was also the foundation, right? For the courage that it took your family to get out and to take on this crazy project and eventually make, you know, headlines around the world and, and take on the world with this book. Can you talk a little bit about the role that optimism plays in your life? Sure. And it's still there in this crazy way. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic and it doesn't matter if, you know, all of the signs around point in the other direction. I'm always determined and confident that I can pull the most positive thing out of it. And sure, we think of optimism as being such a positive thing, but, you know, there are times when you need to take a, a closer realistic evaluation and leave a situation. There are times when you need to say, hey, this, this business is not working or this marriage is not working or whatever direction we're going in. So there are times that optimism can lead you very, very far in the wrong direction. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of that is, is maturity and, again, hitting rock bottom, things like that. that will It takes to jolt in a more extreme way an optimist out of this, this sort of surreal idea that everything is possible. So I've, I've hit those things, those bumps a couple of times that have taught me a lot. But, yeah, it still serves a huge role when I have an idea for a project. Um, and it can be anything from, you know, building a piece of furniture to a sculpture to writing a book to, you know, the film for Rise. You know, when I have this idea, it's this massive thing. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm absolutely not just determined to do it, but I have no doubt that I can do it. Never mind that I'm only sleeping four hours a night for the past <laughs> 10 years. And this, and this will shave away another three hours of the sleeping every night. Mm-hmm. You know, never mind that. I'm still just determined and convinced. Um, and certainly I think that that sort of optimism makes that's what makes the impossible things possible this just sure and determined belief so i mean obviously hope you have clearly gotten this optimism from your mom right you you are always smiling (laughs) you always have this um positive attitude but what have you learned like in the bigger sense about how to approach life through the story of what you guys have gone through yeah with Optimism in general, I do have to admit that I am, because of my mom's overabundance of optimism, (laughs) that perhaps I have a little bit more of the realist quality than she does. Mm -hmm. So when she wants to build a giant eight-foot concrete structure in her backyard, I may be the one who talks her into making it two feet to start out with. It makes sense. It's it's interesting to see that. And I wonder if I had a mother who was the opposite and who was more realist, if I'd be more of an optimist. But I do think that it has made me a little bit more of a realist because somebody needs to um, get all the logistics in order before she starts building Mm -hmm. her big ideas. (laughs) So I've definitely (laughs) taken on that role. The voice of reason. Yes, yes. It's funny to hear you say it myself. Yeah, it's. I think it's funny for me to hear you say that because I think it's all about family dynamics, right? So, I -hmm. think of you, Hope, as being this like bundle of energy and optimism and positivity. But of course, we are all we always balance the people in our lives, right? Whatever that is, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, we always find that balance. All right, I want to um, take a break, and we will come back in just a minute. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you are listening to the She is Fierce radio show. We're talking to Kara Brookins, the author of Rise, and her daughter, Hope Brookins, a publicity expert and part of the She is Fierce team. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Youngs, uh, founder of She is Fierce and Lift You, and we are back with Kara Brookins, the author of Rise, and her fabulous and fierce oldest daughter, Hope, who is also a special part of the She is Fierce team. So, um, Kara, I want to talk about the unfortunate fact that there is almost certainly a woman who is listening to this conversation right now who has experienced or is still experiencing an abusive relationship. What advice do you have for that woman who is listening right now and is still there and struggling? I think the first thing is to get to a safe place. I mean, that just has to be number one. Too many people try to start rebuilding or restructuring while they're still in danger. And then, and you know, and that puts you in even more danger if you're caught trying to do that. So the first thing is get to a safe place and value yourself and your future enough to know that you deserve that safe place. 
And then from there, my goodness, dream big. Forget these baby steps. Forget this feeling sorry for yourself and saying, well, today I'm just going to get out of bed. Today I'm just going to make coffee. Make an enormous impossible goal and change the way you see yourself because you're going to reach it. I love that. And I love in your book how you talk about, you know, it really was your your team of your family that made this happen. But you you talk about some of the other characters and some of the other people who you met along the way who had an impact on what you were doing. From that bank manager who first looked at you like you were crazy to gain, to giving you the, the loan ultimately to – um, you know, you talked about the guy, I'm not very good with construction, but I think it was a backhoe who was, was just getting started mm-hmm. and the many people who just gave you tips and tricks along the way. What advice do you have for those of us who maybe are not experiencing domestic violence, but who maybe know somebody who is being physically or verbally abused and how we can actually support that person and help them on their journey? Well, again, the biggest focus is going to be to get them to a safe place, but So many people think that's it. So many people think, oh, they just have to leave. We just have to get this person to leave. That is one of the smallest steps that people have to take. Um, Once they do leave, 75% of women who are killed in a domestic violence situation, it's after they left. You know, that's some of the most dangerous times. So make sure that there is a safe place after they've left. And then from there, we want to believe that just leaving is going to immediately help you reclaim some sense of inner power or strength or build you up in some way, but you still feel just as small, just as lost, just as uncertain. So it has to be some sort of a big life change. And it's different for everybody. You know, some people, it may be you need to run a marathon, you need to climb a mountain, you know, some sort of build a business, whatever it is. For us, it was a house. Um, but I, I wouldn't suggest everybody go out and do that. I just think that's for everyone. <laughs> um, but, you know, find whatever that thing is for you. And I really think it has to be physical action. I don't think, you know, um, sitting and watching everything on Netflix is going to build a better life. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be a physical action that will create something bigger and better in your life. And something so outside of what you thought you could do, but it does have that that change of perception, change the way you see yourself uh, so that you're not seeing yourself any longer as that victim, as that weak person, but that you see yourself as a powerful person. I see myself as a person who built a house, who built something, you know, three stories tall that surrounds me and keeps me safe. And that's a huge perspective change. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is such a profound um, way of thinking about yourself. And I love the overall message I feel like applies to anybody, right? It doesn't have to be somebody who's dealing with domestic violence, but it really is about if you have this big dream taking on that challenge, but especially I think it's most meaningful, I'm sure, to women who are experiencing something like what you dealt with, who can look outside and say, okay, once you've taken those steps, you can dream so much bigger. Like you're saying, it's not always about those small steps. Sometimes it's about just taking a big dive off the deep end and getting into something and letting go of your plan B so that you're forced to succeed in whatever that situation is. Well, you ask as an outsider what you can do. It's too often that when people hear someone say, I'm going to do this big thing, that people will say, oh, you know, don't, don't set yourself up for failure. You mm-hmm. know, don't you think maybe you should try a little smaller? I just don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to fail. No, fail. Fail a bunch. 
you know, that's all on the road to a big, bigger success. Oh, absolutely. Um, don't, don't, don't shrink people's dreams for them. Yes. I mean, I couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. And I think, <laughs> you know, that is the underlying message of all of the women that we connect with, I think, in all the women that we've had on the show so far, is really the message behind First of all, don't bring other people's dreams down, but don't allow other people to lessen your big dream. Take that on. Right. And you certainly are an incredible example of that. So what is your next big, crazy, wild, ambitious, insane adventure that you guys are planning? <laughs> they get so big that I hope you can share some of them. <laughs> um, well, hopefully you'll be um, eventually seeing our story on the big screen How and cool. until then until until hopefully until we're deciding who gets to play us in a movie um <laughs> that's my dream we're both working on you know speaking to other people around the country about this speaking to business leaders speaking to women's groups just about how they can do their big thing and getting them prepped with the mindset and the logistical steps to get there. And there are also a couple of books in the works and potentially for both of us, um, some unscripted reality television type stuff that we're working on. So there are, there are so many things in the mix. You guys are so cool. <laughs> the little screen too, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, I want to ask you, just like you were just sharing hope about mentality and mindset what are your final thoughts and hope you, you can take this one first mm -hmm. for the women who are listening, who, you know, some of them may be dealing with these really tough times. Some of them are thinking, what's my next big step I've moved or I have, um, you know, I'm stuck in my job and I can't get out. <laughs> Whatever those, that thing is that's holding us back. What is your message for those women who are listening? Yeah, it all comes down to mindset. Um, when you're looking at success, if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything. And it sounds so easy, and it's so easy to talk about it and to say, you just need to believe in yourself, and you just need to believe you can do it. But it's so hard. And I've struggled with it. I've seen my mom struggle with it. I've seen so many women struggle with just getting that mindset down to believe that they can do whatever their big thing is. And it's, it's such a challenge, but once you're able to master it, which I think just comes from practicing and from, you know, that kind of fake it till you make it thing, you, you won't be able to be successful. You have to get it down. You have to tell yourself you could do it. And eventually you'll wake up feeling that way and you won't have to say it to yourself anymore. Yeah. Kara, what about you? Yeah. And it's funny listening to her talk, you know, as, I've watched her go through these things and I forget how many times she has watched me go through those things, especially now, you know, with an adult child, mm -hmm. um, that she can be so much more objective and honest and real about one another's struggles. So hope being this really powerful, confident person right from the time that she quit her job and decided to run her own business, I expected that she would not have that problem, you know, that she would just leap right in and confidence was never going to be an issue. Um, and then to see her actually take those dips and have that uncertainty that you hear every entrepreneur has, it was such a shock to me. 
And I thought that's what the, the realness of that, the honesty of that, that that's what every woman, every man needs to hear, that no matter how you mm-hmm. look at a person and see that, you know, they've got it all together, no, they struggle to these same things too. Um, and, and every person does on every level. So surrounding yourself with other people who are doing the same types of things you are, who have the same positive, energetic, you know, take, take no, never take no for an answer kind of mindset, surrounding yourself with those people is just vital to success. And we're really fortunate to have that right here in our own family. You know, we're, this is a, a dinner table discussion, um, but find it somewhere. It's vital. Yeah. I'm just nodding away over here <laughs> in agreement. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your day with us. You made it easy. Yes. Oh. Well, I am so happy to call Hope a part of She is Fierce. And I'm so honored that you guys have shared your story with our audience and with me today. Now, if you haven't already read or heard about Rise, you must go grab a copy today. You can find a link in the show notes at sheisfiercehq.com or in bookstores and sites internationally. You can also hear more from Kara and her podcast, Raise My Roof with Kara Brookins on iTunes. And you can find out more about She is Fierce at sheisfiercehq.com forward slash join. Come and join women in eight countries who are up-leveling their lives right now. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you've been listening to the She is Fierce radio show.